Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're delighted that you could join us today. We are beginning a brand new journey, a 13-week journey, delving deep into the book of Psalms, one of the most beloved and well-quoted books in the Bible. We are in for an incredible journey. As we begin, let's start with prayer. Father, we want to thank you for giving us an opportunity to delve into the book of Psalms. We ask now that as we begin this journey, you would help us to understand the Psalms better and more deeply than we ever have before. And in doing that, may we also understand Jesus and the plan of salvation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this quarter, we are delighted to have the author of this quarter's Sabbath School Bible study with us, Dr. Dragoslava Santrak. She is the managing editor of the Encyclopedia of Seventh-day Adventists. Slava, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me, and I'm delighted to be here. So this is an exciting quarter, and you've been, you've been studying the Psalms, you've been writing about the Psalms, you've been sharing some of the blessings of the Psalms for quite some time. Why, why are the Psalms so, why are you so passionate about them? What makes them so special? Yes. Well, as you mentioned, the Psalms are one of the most quoted books of the Old Testament, maybe even of the Bible, and the most beloved book of the Bible for many people. I grew up with uh, the image of, uh, of Jesus as the Good Shepherd in my room, and I believe Psalm 23 was the first psalm I memorized, a first biblical text I memorized as a child. So the psalms have always been very close to my heart. And um, as I was growing up, my interest in the book grew, and uh, I did uh, my doctoral dissertation on the book of Psalms. I studied the correlation between the piety of the psalmist and the sanctuary, how the sanctuary and worship and prayer builds and shapes our piety. And I never left the book of Psalms. I, I always wanted to go to something else, but the Psalms just keep drawing me back and back. So this has really been a lifelong journey for you through the Psalms. And, and now you have an opportunity to share those experiences with, well, with, with millions around the world. How did, how did this quarter's adult Bible study guide, how, how did it come into being? When were you contacted? How did that all happen? Yes. Well, prior to writing, prior to being invited to, to contribute uh, uh, to this uh, adult Bible study guide, um, I was invited to contribute uh, to the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary, the new series, and uh, was asked to write the commentary for Psalm 76 to 150. And I believe in that process, uh, uh, somebody uh, uh, must have liked what I wrote and, and, and heard about my passion, and I received a call to contribute to this uh, a Sabbath School Guide. It was uh, in late 2018, and it took me about two years, a little bit under two years, to pray and study and put together this, this study guide. And so here we are now, something that started in 2018. Yes. We're now in 2020, well, it'll be 2024 yes. that we're looking at this. And, uh, and it's going to be an incredible journey. So give us a little overview of some of the things that we can expect to find as we're going through this quarter's lesson. Yes, so this quarter's study 
attempt to introduce the world of the Psalms to the modern readers. Uh, many people perhaps think, do we really need to study the Psalms? We know that they are prayers and songs. Aren't they straightforward enough? Do we really need to, to study and devote 13 weeks? Uh, the book of Psalms is not uh, like, for example, the book of Daniel. However, the book of Psalms, like the rest of the Bible, was written in its specific historical, theological, and literary context. And as such, we need to study in order to properly understand its words, its images, its messages. And also let us not forget that even though the Psalms are widely known as people's prayers to God, the Psalms are the Word of God, which means that they are God's revelation to humanity. And by studying the Psalms, we want to learn and discover with the Holy Spirit everything that God did, does, and will do in Jesus Christ. So that gives us an idea of where we're going. As we, as we think of some of the main objectives for this quarter, would you, would you add anything to what you've already shared? Um, what, what, are we, what are we hoping to accomplish? You've already touched on some of that, but any other big things that we want to try to accomplish during this quarter's time? Yes, yeah, so very early in our quarterly, we will um, study about the prayer usages of the Psalms. Uh, that aspect of, of the Psalms seems to have been neglected over the time, uh, uh, and many believers don't, don't appreciate and don't even know maybe about the value Psalms have as prayers. But beyond that, we will be exploring the world of the psalmist, how they viewed God, how God revealed himself to them, how did the psalmist and the people they represent react to God's presence in their life with praise, thanksgiving, but also what did they do when hard times hit, when God seemed to be absent? So how is this relationship between God and his people evolving and developing in good and bad times in the Psalms? And I think this is something that we can relate to very much because, of course, the entire Bible is like that, but especially the Psalms, they have that emphasis on a living relationship with God. You cannot read the Psalms and not want to really meet the God to whom you cry, my God, my God. How do we read these words and not desire to, to meet him and to love him and please him? Slava, you mentioned the worldview of the psalmist compared to our worldview. How would you say those two worldviews are different, and how do, how do the Psalms kind of bridge those two different worldviews to, uh, to give us some hope today? I know we're going to delve into that more deeply coming up, but um, just briefly, how would that, what does that look like? Yes, this is actually a very good question. Today, it's the question of a worldview is something that philosophers, social scientists, uh, um, scientists of religions, anthropologies are trying to understand from cultural point of view. But when we look at the Psalms, the worldview is theocentric. It means that everything in life revolves about around the questions involving God. 
there is no aspect of life in the psalmist world that's not brought to God and is not under the scrutiny of God and, and his attention. Um, unlike in modern times where we kind of uh, uh, tend to separate religious or spiritual life and put it in one box and then I have uh, my professional life, I have maybe my family life, my friend. So spirituality, religion is one aspect of. There is one day of the week when perhaps we go to church, our viewers, I hope so. And uh, there is a time during the day when some people will set aside time to pray and read the Bible. But this is, these are more like different compartments. The psalmist worldview is that all that breathes, every breath that I take, is rooted in the knowledge of God, in the awareness of God in the life. And not just individuals, but the community as well. Everything revolved around worship and around God. So this book is, is different from other books in the Bible. Certainly there are, there are parallels, there are, there are th- likenesses, but this book is different what are some ways that it is that it separates itself from other books in the Bible? Yes. Uh, well, some people say, and I read that, unlike the rest of the Bible where God speaks to us, in the Psalms, God speaks with us. Meaning the Psalms give us words to speak to God, but it also shares the words that God speaks to us. And that's why I believe many people can truly enjoy and find peace and rest and consolation in the Psalms. Because while you are reading the Psalms, you can feel that your words are coming right there. Yes, that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly what I want to say. But at the same time as you read... As if the pages are bu- the words are bouncing back to you, and you hear God answering your pleas, answering your 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 prayer. So God is speaking with us in the Psalms, kind of drawing us into a a conversation, a relationship, uh, uh, something very much shared, and we're going to be experiencing that over the course of the next thirteen weeks as we as we look at that. Now, Slava, in addition to the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide that we're going through week by week and day by day, there is also a companion book that goes along with this quarter's lesson. Share with me a little bit about that companion book. Uh, What's contained in it? Why would somebody want to get that companion book in addition to this? What benefits are there in the companion book? Companion book is a wonderful addition uh, to the Sabbath School uh, Quarterly or Sabbath School Guide. For the Psalms, it was written by Dr. Martin Klingbeil, an expert in the Old Testament, and as, I, as far as I've heard, a wonderful teacher of Old Testament. Um, and it's a wonderful uh, book because it provides a more in-depth study of what we are studying in the Sabbath School Quarterly. Of course, those of you who ever studied the, the quarterly, you know that each day has just a tiny paragraph. And I know when I was writing, I always struggled to put everything I wanted to say in that little paragraph with few questions. 
but with the, the companion book, all those thoughts are uh, better explained. Some examples are provided, and I think people will benefit greatly by studying the study guide and the companion book together. So the study guide is, is wonderful. The companion book is phenomenal. And now we have the benefit of having you here to share more. As you mentioned, you could only fit so much in the little paragraphs or, or three on each of those days. But now during, during our time together in Sabbath school, you're going to be able to elaborate on more and, and fit more into. So think of it as, as supplemental pages in the quarterly that we're going to be able to enjoy as we, uh, as we study together over the course of the next 13 weeks. And you are going to be excited as you continue this study with us as well, because week by week, we're going to be delving into the Psalms. Each week, we'll pull that together, we'll pull it apart, we're going to study more deeply, and we're going to add uh, much more depth to the study of the book of Psalms. So we're going to come back in just a moment after this short break, and we're going to continue looking at week number one as we take our journey through the book of Psalms. We'll be right back. Unfortunately, athletes do it all the time. Runners, swimmers, wrestlers, and more in their quest to be the best resort to taking performance-enhancing drugs. They do it because without the drugs, they wouldn't be good enough to win. Feeling they need extra help, they cross a line, often leading to disgrace. Christians do something similar. What happens when, in your Christian experience, you're not good enough? Join me for Good Enough and discover the secrets to spiritual success. You don't have to fail as a believer, and you don't have to resort to pretense or cheap gimmicks in your walk with Christ. Learn how you can be all you want to be and all God wants you to be. Discover where the source of power is for believers and how you can unleash that power in your life. Good Enough, brought to you by It Is Written TV. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We are continuing our look here at the book of Psalms, the first of 13 studies that we're going to be doing. And Slava, you mentioned a few things that we can dig more deeply into. We, of course, have the companion book. There's the study guide. There's this that we're, we're talking about right now. But there's also a commentary. Tell us a little bit about that commentary. Yes, I wholeheartedly recommend that commentary to you and to our viewers. That's the new uh, um, series of the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentaries, Volume 6 was released uh, recently, uh, and it's on the wisdom literature and the poetic literature of the Bible. Uh, and the segment on the Psalms contains verse by verse detailed explanations of the book of Psalms with uh, literary analysis, with historical cultural analysis. It's an Adventist resource that I wholeheartedly recommend. And how would somebody find that? How could they come across it? What's yes. the best way? Yes, I, uh, the commentary was uh, published by Pacific Press, and I believe it's in all Adventist bookstores by now. All right, very good. Now, the book of Psalms, as, as we're going into it now, kind of an introduction, as it were, it's not a typical book that has an introduction and a body and a conclusion. It's a different type of book. 
What type of book is it, and, and why is that significant? Yes, well, that can represent a challenge to many readers because we love to have a book with introduction, that there is a storyline, a progression, and then we can't wait to see what's going to happen to the protagonist of the story. We reach the conclusion. The Book of Psalms, obviously, even though it's called a book, is not a typical book in that sense. And for the greatest period of time, People viewed the book of Psalms as a haphazard collection of poems and prayers. However, more lately, more and more biblical scholars and preachers and students have realized that there is some model or that there is some logic in how the Psalms are put together. So it is not by chance uh, we would like to think now that Psalm 1 is the first Psalm and that Psalm 150 is the last one. And in between the Psalms that come, uh, that the book of Psalms has been uh, uh, collected and the Psalms have been arranged in such a way as to illustrate a spiritual journey that is common to most of God's children. Um, we notice that in the first half of the book of Psalms, mostly laments and psalms are describing trouble and seeking God and going to tough times. They dominate the first part of the book. But then we have some kind of bridge that leads us to, for example, Psalm 73. It's like in the middle of the book. Uh, maybe if I can just briefly say where the psalmist says, I was wondering, how is it that the evil prosper and that the good people suffer? Am I in vain keeping my heart and my hands clean? That's in the middle of the, of the book of Psalms. And then he comes, enters the sanctuary and gets a revelation saying, now I see that the Lord is in control and that there is a judgment coming. And it looks like that from that point on, we have more psalms on God's sanctuary, on God's judgment. We have the royal psalm, Psalms 93 to 99. The Lord reigns and announcing his judgment, culminating in the psalms of praise, uh, Psalms 145 to 150. So as I said, uh, uh, this is not something set in stone. People are still studying, but there seems to be that progression, something that we can relate to. Faith that begins almost naively, believing that everything is uh, 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 in God's control, good gets rewarded, evil gets punished. But then we realize that the world is not black and white. It's complex. And the book of Psalms deals with that complexity, wants to challenge that and find answers from God and gives us the answers. So we have a book that has some sort of an order. It has a, a direction that it goes, not necessarily a chronological order. But if someone was coming to the book of Psalms and understanding that it's not a chronological book, how would they approach reading it? Are there different ways that they could approach reading it in order to, to gain a blessing for themselves uh, rather than introduction, body, conclusion? How, how might they do that? Yes. Well, people can really, and this is my favorite way of reading the Psalms, reading them 
chapter by chapter as the chapters uh, uh, come. Instead of just selecting how I feel, I like to read it that way and allow that progression to kind of get deep and into me and, and becomes part of my uh, uh, fiber, all right, of my being. Uh, as as, uh, as that one theologian said, the progression from orientation, when we think that we have all the answers, then we get into the phase of disorientation when our worldview, when our faith is challenged. Then we are led to the new orientation when God leads us to new understanding, teaching us that he cannot be put in a box and that all the answers we think we have, we don't rely on them, but always on seeking God. So, however, people can also choose to read the Psalms according to their current situation. I like to say that the Psalms have a song and a prayer for every season in life. So if currently you've been blessed, your cup is filled and overflowing, take the psalms of praise, praise God, give him thanks. However, if you're going through the valley of shadow of death, maybe you are ill, or I can tell my, uh, our viewers, if you are ill or someone you know is ill, take the psalms of lament, take the psalms that when you cry out to God for help, and God will hear you. God is here for you. So there is a song for every season. So there's a lot in there for yes. different people at different times in their lives. Uh, you mentioned some of the, the ways that it is written. So there's some uh, Hebrew poetic uh, imagery and forms in there. How does that really enrich uh, our study of the Psalms? Because the way that we think or or consider poetry maybe a little different than what we find in Psalms. How does that help uh, us today? Yes, yes. Well, uh, being a piece of poetry, even uh, poetry in English sometimes can be challenging because the poets have this liberty to use the words uh, uh, and metaphors that suits them. And like painters, they paint certain images using words. Well, likewise the psalmist. Uh, some images are almost self-explanatory. When the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, we get a pretty much the idea of what that is. Someone who cares, someone who, who protects. But then there are some harder images, and that's why it is good for us to dig in and try to understand what did the psalmist mean when he used a certain imagery. Um, but then there are some images that are hidden in the Hebrew text. And I don't know, Pastor Eric, if we have time, maybe to share one sure. example. Yeah, let's take a look. Yes. Um, in Psalm 76, I love this one very much. Psalm 76, verse 2, it says, In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. Well, here is a parallelism, tabernacle, dwelling place, referring obviously to the sanctuary, to the temple. However, the Hebrew text uh, gives us a little bit more, and it's actually a very beautiful uh, image here. In the first line, the word tabernacle, the psalmist uses a 
little bit unusual wor word that's not really used for tabernacle or the sanctuary, and that's the word sukkah, which means booth. Now, in the Old Testament, we know the, the holiday, the Feast of Tabernacles, when the, the ancient Israelites built the booth to remind them of the sojourn in, in the wilderness. And the booths, the sukkahs, were well known in biblical uh, times as places where people could find shade from the sun and workers usually would leave their tools or maybe when there is rain they would come and find a dry place and to rest. So sukkah, by, by telling that, that God's temple is sukkah, that image immediately pictured something to the ancient people knowing, wow, that's that place. When I am in need, I go to sukkah. It protects me. It shields me. And then in the next line, um, his dwelling place. In Hebrew, that's the word maon. What's wonderful here is that maon describes a lion's den. And there are many biblical texts that I can quote. Job 38, Psalm 104, Songs 4, Isaiah 31. The word maon describes, depicts a lion's den. And here it says that his dwelling place in Zion is like the den of a lion. And this is so prominent because in the Psalms we hear this clamor and noises made by enemies who blaspheme against God, who torture God's people, who oppose everything that is right and good in the world. But now we have here God who, like a lion, roars out of his tabernacle, of his sanctuary, and the world stands still. He is the one who rules. He is the sovereign, and we praise him for that. So these are some things that we might just skip over without realizing exactly. it if we don't go and pull that out. So that's yes. exciting. We're going to look yes. at that. Let me ask you this question. We don't have too much time left, but... Why are the Psalms important for Christians today? Why do we need to spend time in this, put effort into it? What are we going to get out of it? Why is it important for us today? Yes. Um, we are unaware of some sad tendencies that people regard the Old Testament as an old book. Why do we need the Old Testament when we have the New? Well, let me tell you that the book of Psalms is one of the most quoted books in the New Testament. Jesus quoted it so many times. The apostles, all the writers of, of the New Testament. So that should be one big inspiration for us to turn to the book of Psalms. Also, one of the last words our Lord Jesus spoke while he was on this world, on the cross my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a prayer from the Psalms. Jesus prayed the Psalms. The Psalms are Jesus' prayers that he prayed as the incarnate Lord and Son of Man, our Savior. But the Psalms are also prayers about Jesus. And from the Psalms, we can learn so much about our Lord. So when we read the Psalms, we come closer to the one who inspired them, prayed them, and invites us to join him in praying these Psalms 
for the world. So we're going to get a clearer picture of Jesus as we take this journey together. And we're excited about sharing this journey with you. This is just the beginning. This is week one of 13 weeks that we're going through this. And you don't want to miss a single week. Thank you for joining us here on Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. And we look forward to seeing you again next week.